talking about the last little little week, uh, few weeks, just talking about different different parts of this um, this concept of money. It's something that it, we all use and deal with in our lives. Uh, and sometimes people think, oh no, that's all the church ever wants is our money. You know, that's what the, what they're talking about. Um, we want to just let you know that t- this this is no. Um, the reason that we're talking about money has nothing to do with the church needing money. It has so much more to do with, with us and our hearts and where, where we're at. The Bible talks about money like crazy. Like there's over 2,000 verses uh, about our finances. And all of it's driven to this idea of every day we have the, 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 ch- the, the choice to wake up and say, I'm going to serve God with my life or I'm going to serve money. It's never God and the devil. It's this idea of serving him, submitting to him, or submitting to money. And so we, we talked about that, that he wants our heart. Our heart follows our, our, uh, our cash. And, and uh, we, want to, we wanted to make sure that, you know, if we say, hey, yes, we serve the Lord, that, that this is just a thing doesn't come in, in the way and in between us. In our second week, we learned that he wants us to work, to have a job, to turn, turn the talents that he's given us into wealth and to manage that well, not just to make money, but to watch it, to manage it. And so we said that, uh, we said that week, you've got to be knowing. You've got to be knowing where your money is going. And, and the reason we said that is the reason we said to track it is because it's not ours. We're managing it for him. If we think it's ours, we'll misuse it. And uh, we talked about that in, the, in that uh, third week of, of managing it his way. You, you can manage it in multi- multiple ways. One is, you know, we talked about how God said, give some away first so that, so that it, you, you're telling money it doesn't own you. And then saving and then your needs and, and last of all your wants. Or you can do it your way and say, no, I'm just going to buy wants. And then, you know, hopefully I still have money left over for my bills. And I definitely don't have anything left to save. So going to get a credit card and get ourselves into this, this huge load of debt. Last, last week, we talked about this idea of, that our country, um, us as people, individuals, we owe $1.5 trillion worth in debt. We owe that much money to other people. And some of you were amazed by what that actually looks like when you see $1.5 trillion. And so uh, this whole series has been in this idea of just living our lives to honor God uh, in every aspect of that, in our saving, in our giving. And uh, so we talked about the the idea of honoring him with debt, and he just doesn't want us to have it. So we were talking about that as well. And so last week we finished up with this idea of giving. We talked uh, about how Paul was talking to these be- the believers, people who were followers of Jesus. They were living in ancient Greece in a town called Corinth. And he was talking to them about giving. And they were taking up an offering at that, uh, at that service or in that, in that time for the other believers in Jerusalem. It would say, let's help those who are also followers of Jesus who are going through difficult times. Let's do something to help them. And so he wrote them a, a letter and he was telling about this other church that was really involved. And he's saying, hey, let's, let's do this together. And so there's two chapters there that I'd love for you to go home and just read through and kind of read through slowly and say, you know, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do with this? How does this apply to me? But I just want to take a few verses from it today. I'm going to keep it in its context. You don't need to worry about that, but uh, I don't want to read the whole two chapters. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Otherwise, you can follow along on the screen. It says this, since you excel... Since you excel, since you're above average in so many ways, in your faith and your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel in this as well. I want you to be above average in this gracious act of giving. 
And I'm not commanding you to do this. Neither am I. No one is. He's saying, I'm not commanding you to do it, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. And basically he's saying, I'm giving you the opportunity to see where your heart's really at and and to take note of that. And then a few verses later, he says, whatever you give is acceptable. You know, if people tell you this is how much you need to give, don't, don't take that from the outside. He's saying whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. And the way you know what you have is to track it and find out what you have. Otherwise, you could give it all away and then you're going to be the one in trouble. And Paul says that in verse 13. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for everyone else and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some sense of equality. And then in the next chapter, he says this. Remember this. The word remember is consider it, think about it, ponder it for a minute. That's what we're going to do today. Ponder this thought. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And he says, you. Who? You. Yeah, okay, thanks. Me. Uh, Must decide in your heart how much to give. He's saying you got to decide in your heart how much, the amount. You decide it here. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't give just because somebody's preaching about it. He says, deal, work this thing out in your heart with him. And it says, in, um, um, it says don't, not in response to pressure, because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. There's attitude behind it as well. And then it says, and God will generously provide all your needs. You'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others, as the scriptures say. They share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. This idea of your storehouse in heaven, of treasures in heaven, those good deeds of being generous are going to be remembered forever. It says in verse 10, For God's the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. And, and as you look at here, you see this thing. He's talking about farming and he's talking about, he's talking about seeds and all that kind of stuff. This week I got a text from, uh, from somebody here and they, they sent me this text uh, of, of this picture. And it's, uh, it's the, it, they said, applying your series these past few weeks with farming. He says, here's the, you know, my new R series has HID, IVT, GPS, DEF, or DEF. I don't know. Uh, a manual front wheel drive, satellite radio. What's yours got? And his rinky-dink tractor down there has got no payments. And he's saying, you know, I can apply what, what we've been teaching in the series to, to farming. And I thought, man, that's clever. And I realized that that's what Paul did as well. He's, he's, he's talking to the Corinthian church and he's comparing giving and farming, but it's much bigger than that, way bigger than that. He makes um, this church in Corinth, and I want to share this with you, is he makes them aware of a universal law that affects their money and their life. And it's this law of sowing and reaping. And it's, it's the law, not in the law sense of having a, you know, this is like legal binding. We were talking about some weird laws that, that still, you know, exist in our country. I was reading some of the laws it used to, like it used to be illegal to take off a bandage in public in, in, a, in our country. I'm like, that's such a good law. There's laws that in London, Ontario, that if, you're, if your lawn is more than 3.8, I think this is centimeters long, then, the, uh, or the, then the, the county comes in and cuts it for you and sends you the bill because uh, you're not allowed to. And here, we'd be in trouble uh, if I see some of your lawns. But, uh, you know, th- this idea of saying it's not that kind of law, but it's, it's the law in, in, in that, um, that a particular event will, will work and happen every single time, given that all the circumstances are the same. So the law of gravity, for instance, it will work all the time. Uh, we're not sure why, but here's some things. Here's just some thoughts about laws. Because if we're going to talk about the law of sowing and reaping, there's a few things about laws, and, and these are them. Laws work all the time. 
They just do. Gravity works all the time. You know, it, you can try and, and fight it, but it just, it happens. Every single, every single time something goes up, it comes down. Works all the time. You can count on it working all the time. Second thought is that laws work for everyone. They work for men. They work for women. They work for children. They work for, you know, the Dutch. They work for, uh, the, you know, the non-Dutch. They work for uh, Christians, non-Christians. Gravity affects all of us. They, they affect, the, the, you know, the famous people like, you know, you uh, 2 The Edge. It was in the news this week. The Edge fell off the edge because as soon as he got too close to the stage, the edge of the stage, gravity takes over and doesn't care that he's famous. Gravity affects cats. I know you don't think that. I found great pictures, but I couldn't show them. Just didn't want you angry at me. Um, but the, the, the law, the laws affect everyone, and they work all the time. Laws work whether you're aware of them or not. How many of you know, um, uh, just quickly, have, have heard of Archimedes' Law? Anybody heard of Archimedes' Law? Yes, there's a few that were awake in, in school um, uh, way back when. Archimedes' Law of Buoyancy. Have you heard that one? Some, same, same, same one. All right. So Archimedes' law of buoyancy basically says that, you know, if you throw something into the water, it's going to sink unless it has this buoyant capability to cause it to float. And it says it always works. It doesn't matter. If, if it doesn't have the buoyant um, um, buildup, it's going to sink. And we say, all of you here are like, oh, I wasn't aware that that was a law. But you know that if you go swimming, if you, you know, if you're not, if you're not buoyant, you're going down. You throw a pebble in, you're, you know it's going down because it applies whether you even know that it exists or not. That law is the same, um, same with this. Um, the thought is this, you can choose to work with or against laws. You can choose to work with them or against them. You know, for instance, you throw a pebble uh, into, the, into the lake, it sinks the bottom. And yet we figured out how to get a cruise ship to stay on top. You know, we can have some, well, I was saying you can't throw someone in or something, but if something falls in, they can drown and die. And yet we've used this law of buoyancy to create life-saving devices because you can work with them or against them. And the last thought is this, that God created these laws. These laws that govern our universe, they, they, they apply to everyone. He's the one who created those laws. And sometimes what people, um, they, they, the Christians especially, they live with this mentality of, well, God's just in control of everything. He chooses everything that happens. If it happens, it's God, and there's nothing you can do uh, about it. So my, my, my question this morning is, does God really control everything? Or is it possible that he set up laws and boundaries that we can make choices within those laws, and, and there's consequences of them? So for instance, I toss that. Did God control my hand to throw that? No, it's not a trick question. But did the law of gravity kick in based on my choice? and make sure that it didn't, it didn't actually hit Barry. So if I do it again, same thing, right? I chose, you know, it's always, if I do this a million times, it's going to happen that exact same way because that's the law. Gravity kicks in. It's not like I toss it the same way next time and it flies and beans them in the eye. That's not going to happen. Why? Because there's, there's laws there. And so the choices we make fall within there. And it's something so important. When Paul's talking to this group, he says, there's a law of sowing and reaping that uh, he touches on. And it's all over the Bible. And I want to share it with you this morning. Because it's not just about our finances. It is. It is, about the, it is about our money in one sense. But it's about so much more. Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. Here's where it started. Genesis 1 verse 11 and 12. God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. Every sort of seed-bearing plant. So it says, the trees that grow seed-bearing fruit, these seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and the trees from which they came. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 12, it says, the land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants, trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants, and the trees are the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And you're like, well, that's cool, but what does that matter? 
What matters, what matters is like, you know, it's like this random scripture comes out. Um, the, the, the idea is that this has been going on ever since time began. The very first thing, you know, where a tree has a, has a seed and it, bear, you know, if it's an oak tree, it has another oak tree, which has oak seeds, which has more oak trees. And that keeps going and going and going. If you look outside right now, it's planting season. You know, there's lots of tired farmers around uh, these days. They're like, you know, so busy in the field. Some of them, you know, can't make it this morning. They're, they're sleeping in on their only day off, but they know, they know when they're out there that what they're doing matters, and it's going to matter in a few months from now. They haven't invested all their time and money. They're not out there trying to plant things, you know, with this hope. They're driving their tractors thinking, oh man, I sure hope that what I'm, these seeds I'm putting in the ground will actually grow. They have no doubt in their head that if it rains enough and if the land is, you know, it's, it's fertilized enough, those seeds are going to grow. Why? Because it's a law. It happens all the time. This idea of sowing and reaping. The farmers aren't like, oh, you know, let's just leave it up to God and see what happens out there. You know, maybe, you know, I know that we got to grow some crops, but let's just leave it up to God and see what, see what happens. If the seeds will just find their way in there. They, they don't just leave it up to God. They, they go out there and they're like, we're going to plant it and we're going to tend it. We're going to work within, the, the, within this law of sowing and reaping to see something happen. If you want to try the idea of letting God, you know, do your, do your gardening or do your sowing, you end up with lawns like this. I think that's Mike Mitchell's lawn. It's his playoff lawn that he's not cutting it until the Hawks win the cup, right? So the, the, it just, it's just going to go crazy on you because that's what happens when we just sort of let it go. The farmers, every farmer out there planting right now realizes they need to work with that law in order for it to bear a harvest in their life. And it's something I want to, um, Paul mentions, I want to challenge you with this. That law is made up of some principles and these are them. It's the principles of like harvest. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes to the Galatian church and he says this, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God or God's not mocked. It says you will always harvest what you plant. Who will? You. You'll harvest what you plant. And it says those in this, in this, um, to this, in this letter to this church, he writes to them and says those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, they're going to harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. He says, if you're sowing um, to, to, uh, and living to please the Spirit, you're going to harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So in the one, he's saying, hey, this sowing and reaping is about your money. And this other group of believers, he says, this is more, it's about your spiritual life. But this idea of sowing and reaping affects it all. You will harvest what you are planting. Guaranteed. And so I wanted to leave you with this thought this morning. Just to, this, hopefully this, this thing we said, you know, you got to be knowing where your money is uh, going. What I want to leave you with today is what you're sowing is growing. What you're sowing is growing. And I know you guys, especially introverts, they hate it when I say, hey, say this after me. But I just want to, I want to say it so you got that here. Would you say that? What I'm sowing is growing. What I'm sowing is growing. What I'm sowing is growing. And the law of sowing or reaping applies to our money. It applies, you know, as we give. But it also applies to a whole bunch of different areas in our life. It'd be like the fields of our life. You know, you see here, farmer's fields, all... Um, th there's all kinds of different fields in our lives as well. And I want to show you some of those here. So some of the fields are your finances. You know, you got your finances at the top. You got your faith, you know, family, fun. Um, fitness would be one of them. Marriage is a field. Work is a field. Your friends are a field. Just leave that up there. I want to encourage you with this thought that we've, you know, as we're studying this thing, it says, hey, you know, finances, when you're sowing and reaping into this idea of a, of a financial field, it matters. But it the, the idea behind our lives is that we don't lose sense of the balance of it. See, because you can sow into this field right here, and many of you do. 
You sow into here like crazy, into your work field. You sow 70 hours a week, and you're putting all your time and effort into this field, forgetting that you have all these other fields. You put all your best seed and best opportunities and best effort here, and then whatever's left over ends up in marriage and maybe a little bit to family. Some are on the other side. It's all about the fun. You know, it's fun, fun, fun. That's all I want to have. You know, and this field here kind of gets in the way of that one. You know, you're just like, I don't want to work. Working's not fun. I just want to have fun. Uh, and you can do that, but you leave all those other fields. You, you sow just into fun and not into finances. You end up broke. And how much fun do broke people have? None. They find, they find rich friends, right, to have fun with. You know, f- fitness. Sowing into, you know, you could sow all kinds of stuff into, you know, your faith and be like, oh, I'm studying the word and, you know, I'm, I'm reading, I'm believing God, you know, for healing. But then as far as your fitness goes, you're sowing McDonald's in there every day and, you know, you're sowing, sitting on the couch and, and never, you know, exercising. And all of those fields bear fruit in our lives. And so he's saying this idea of what you're sowing, it's growing, it matters. See, what happens a lot of times is that, that, we see with Christians, they sow certain things in their life and you can see it. And then they pray for a different harvest. They pray for some, something else to grow in the field. So they, they're, they're sowing it and they're hoping it's going to come up different. But it'd be like the farmer out here who he sows beans and he's like, he's a Christian farmer. So then he goes to you know, church on Sunday. He's like, oh God, I pray that, those, that corn grows up out of that field instead. I'm like, Nobody would do that. That's just absolutely moronic. You, you're going to grow what you planted. You can't just pray that it's going to be something different. And same with this law of sowing and reaping. For some, you pray for peace in your home, but you're sowing control and you're sowing anger and you're sowing all kinds of stuff in the way that you talk and think and live in your house. But you pray that something else is going to happen. You pray for, for provision. God, I need you to meet my needs but you're sowing into the, into the wants and into the, into the um, needs and into the debt bucket with your life rather than sowing in, in a way of, of giving. You're praying for a different harvest. You're praying for spiritual growth. You look around and say, wow, some people here, they just like, really, I believe they really hear God. And like great things are going on in their life. How come it's not happening for me? My life sucks. God doesn't like me. He never talks to me. He never answers my prayers. So many of them are sowing into joining a Bible study, sowing into their lives, into reading the Word actually on their own and not just whatever Mark gives you on Sunday. And it's sowing into their lives and, and they're growing. Healthier marriage, you know, people pray, oh God, you know, save my marriage. I need a miracle. And yet they won't do anything to actually live that out and sow seeds into that for addiction. So many people pray for God to, you know, remove addiction and pray themselves out of what they behaved themselves into. And it's like, how come it doesn't happen? It's this law of sowing and reaping because it's working in your life whether you're aware of it or not, and it works for everyone. You can't opt out of it and say, oh, it doesn't apply to me. It applies. And so the idea behind this is if it's happening in our lives, there's some thoughts that we probably need to consider. And one would be, if I don't like the harvest that's happening in my life, I should probably look at the seeds that I'm sowing. What am I actually putting into the fields of my life and, uh, to, to grow the harvest that's happening? Because you reap what you sow, and what I'm sowing is growing. So I want to talk real quick about a few of those thoughts. The seeds in our life. We need to become aware of the seeds that we're sowing because they're growing. Not only aware of them, not, not just what they are, but how much of them we're sowing in our lives. Paul said to that church, he's like, hey, it matters how much you give. 
How much you give away. We're not saying how much you give to the church. Just how much you give matters because it's not just, it's not just you know, managing it in your hand. It's seeds. It's actually going to grow. It's actually going to, you know, and being generous with others, that generosity is going to come back on you and not necessarily from other people, but from God. And he says there's this idea of the generosity of you sow generosity, you reap it in return. You live generously, he blesses you, and so does the, you know, the, 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 the fruit of generosity happening in your life. I've lived to experience it. It's, it's a great way to, it's a great way to live. But those are seeds. He says, your money, consider it. Think about it. When you're sowing it, when you're giving it somewhere, you're giving it as, um, as seed that's going to grow somewhere. But the seeds are more than just money. The seeds are things like thoughts. Seeds are in your head. There's things right now that you're thinking about that are actually seeds that are going to bear fruit in your future. What are you dwelling on? What thoughts do you allow, you know, to, to keep going on and on in your head? See, thoughts are more than just opinions. For some, you think, ah, oh, it's just the way I was raised. You know, my parents um, re- raised me that way. This is, this is how my dad kind of did marriage and taught me about marriage. And so that's what I think marriage is all about. You know, as a husband, I just have to work and bring home the money. Her job is to raise the kids. It's just what I've learned. So I, I hear people tell me this stuff. I'm like, so and how is your dad's marriage? Like, it sucks. All three of them, you know? And, uh, and I'm like, well, do you want that fruit in your life? Well, no. But I'll keep thinking those same thoughts and then doing that. The only, the only way you ever want to, um, to uh, say, hey, this is the way my parents raised me, is if you like the fruit in their life. If they've done well, if they've, um, you know, made good decisions that have um, borne good fruit, then you want to say, yeah, those are the things I want to take. But those thoughts matter. Philippians 4 verse 8, Paul said to the church in in, in Philippi, he says, now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, if there's anything I can tell you, it's this, fix your thoughts. Not just think "Eh, every once in a while, fix them, set them. Why? Because they're seeds. You can decide what you're thinking about. And he says, think about things that are true. Think about things that are honorable. Think about what's right and pure and lovely and admirable. And he says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And I want to challenge you with that thought this morning to begin to think differently about the sowing season of your life. Some of you, rea- don't, you may not realize that you're actually sowing all the time. A lot of times we're thinking, oh, I can't wait to reap. I can't wait for harvest. You know, I wish I could see that. But a lot of times we, we find ourselves in a place where we actually need to be sowing. So my question is, what thoughts are you dwelling on when it comes to your relationships? What thoughts are you dwelling on when it comes to your marriage? You know, oh, my marriage is in trouble. Oh, it's just terrible. Oh, my spouse. What thoughts are you dwelling on with your teenagers and your family? Oh, man, they're so rebellious. They're just, you know, they got to honor me. You know, what, what thoughts are you thinking about with your family, with your faith? What's, what's the things that you're dwelling on? You know, as the farmers that we think about now, they're not complaining as they're driving their tractors. They might be like, yeah, I put in 30 hours in a day, you know, and they're just like, they're beaming about it because they're like, so, you know, they know that what they're doing out there is actually going to make, uh, it's going to make a difference. They're not out there going to the fields thinking, man, what can this field do for me? You know, I don't want to do anything in the field. I don't want to sow anything. What, what can they do for me? You know, how come I can't drive my combine out there today and harvest? Well, they know the season they're in. And for some of you, it's like, I wish that my kids, you know, were respecting and honoring me. You know, I've just started saying nice things to them. You know, I wish my spouse would be like, you know, she would live differently or my husband would act differently. And, you know, you've just started saying and and, um, thinking different things about it. You're wishing it would happen right away. But this idea of instead of thinking, hey, what 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 can people do for me? 
It's this idea of thinking about sowing and saying, what can I do for someone else? What can I do for someone else? Was that a leadership uh, event? And they said, hey, you know, sometimes you're facing things in your organization. They said, ask yourself this question. What would a great leader do? You know, this is what I'm facing, and yes, this is what I would do, but what would a great leader do? And not just in that thing, but thinking these thoughts of what would a great father do? You know, I wake up sometimes at four in the morning, and it's be, I wake up because it's one of the kids is crying. What would a great father do? What would a great husband do? You know, pretend I'm still sleeping. Hopefully she'll get up. You know, what would a great husband do when you got your dish and it's dirty? And you're like, oh, I got this idea. I'm going to put it in the dishwasher myself. And you get to the dishwasher, you open it up, and it's clean. And it's like, oh, moral dilemma. Now, what do I do? Like, put it back? Hopefully she didn't see. Or what does a great husband do? I clean out the dishwasher and, and put that dish in there. You know, it'll change the way you think about things. What would a great wife do? I don't know. You can fill in the blank. But what would... What would great, what would, what would I do if it was, if I was great? It's, it's thinking this other thought and realizing, huh, I might act differently if I thought about it and realizing it's a seed. See, if we begin to sow these things and realize what we're sowing into our lives, it's going to change your life. Uh, not just your thoughts are seeds, but your words are as well. Did you realize that you have seeds on your tongue? That the things you speak matter? Proverbs 18 says it in verse 21, Solomon said, the tongue can bring death or life. Your tongue can bring death or life. Those um, who love to talk will reap the, the consequences or the benefits of it, depending on what they say. This year, I'm coaching soccer. I don't know how I got talked into that, but uh, I went to the, to the prep thing, and I just about died. You know, they're like, here, they made us run like the kids and put your head on the ball, now sit on the ball. Head on the ball, sit on the ball. In that speed, I'm like, oh, you know, I might not even make it through this. But then they sat us down after and said, hey, you know what? One of the things we want to tell you is that your team your words are going to make your team more than your coaching. Your words are going to make your team more than the skills that you guys practice. He says this idea, you know, you go out there and like as a kid's kicking the ball, like, wow, you really suck at kicking the ball. I'm four, you know. It's like going to be not, not a great way to build their confidence and build an awesome team. And we know it because the positive and negative words, we have the option and choice to sow either one. You're, you have the choice to sow complaining or gratitude. This morning is why I challenge you to think about these thoughts of, of being thankful because you have the chance to sow that. You have the chance to sow judgment on someone or grace, encouragement or discouragement. And you know, the truth is, and many of us realize, well, wow, that's in the Bible, but most of us don't even have to go to the Bible to figure that out. So many of you, you're living under the weight of words that were spoken over your life years and years and years ago. You know, as a kid, how come you can't be more like your brother? Still haunts you. You're no good at anything. Still grabs you. You're going to grow up to be a burden on society. Still haunts you. These things that this weight of these words that you're like, man, you know, maybe it was your parents, maybe it's teachers, maybe it's your spouse. You know, maybe your spouse has said things about you, you know, 20 years ago, and you're still like, oh, I wonder if he still thinks that way about me. Because the weight of those words, they're bearing fruit in your life. Some of you, you know, you're living under the fruit of it. Some of you are sowing it right now. You're not realizing that what you're sowing, you're sowing into your future. You know, I want to encourage you to stop speaking words of death over your marriage. You know, stop speaking words of, of, of death over your teenagers. You know, oh, they're just useless and lazy. And whoa. Begin to start speaking the life over them and life over your kids and over your job. You know, some of you are like, oh, I hate my job. Realizing that's a gift and it's crazy as you say, you know what? Hey, I like my job. It's crazy how it turns around and you actually like your job. 
Stuff can change. Stuff can happen. What words are you sowing? And in the field of faith, for many of you, you know, you're going through stuff, and you're like, oh, God's doing this to me. You know, I hear this, I hear this all the time. It just, it drives me nuts. It's this thought of, you know, well, God's not going to give me more than I can handle. You're going through something terrible, and you're like, you know what? God must be doing something in my life. Maybe God's not doing it. And maybe by the things of you saying all the time, oh, God's doing it, God's doing it, it's just pushing you away from him. Because you're like, man, he's mean, and he's awful, and man, I can't believe he's done this. Doesn't he know how much I'm going through? <laughs> maybe he's not the one doing it in your life. The seeds, the words, they bear fruit in your life. And the third one is actions. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. You know, the, the verse after the other two, it said this, so let's not get tired of doing what's good. It's that word, doing. He's not, let's not get tired of talking. Let's not get tired of thinking. Let's not get tired of hoping. Let's not get tired of actually doing what's good. Because the, the doings are seeds. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. See, the fields, they don't plant themselves. You know, they don't, that field didn't get planted out there because the farmer's like, well, I intended to do it. I hope to do it. I prayed that it would happen. Ah, uh, you know, I, I, hoped it, I hoped it would happen. I wanted to do it. See, good intentions don't actually lead to anything. And the thing is, we usually judge everyone else by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. We look at everybody else and be like, what they did, that's what matters. But what we hoped to do and what we intended to do is what we judge ourselves on. And I'm challenging you to actually think about the idea of what are you leaving undone? What seeds are you leaving unsown in your life? Many people think that they're sowing more than they are. You know, it's these thoughts of like, wow, I, I intended to spend more time with my kids. You know, I had really planned on, you know, going out on a date with my wife at least once a week. You know, I had hoped that that would happen. I've prayed for some of these things, and yet he's saying, listen, what have you sowed? And the amount matters. Oh, I told my kid I love him. How come he's not respecting me? Tell him lots, lots and lots of words of encouragement. Lots and lots of words. Jesus said in Luke, he said to, to them, he said, the measure that you measure out, it's the measure that comes back to you. You put spoonfuls of love and, you know, kind words into your marriage, you're going to get spoonfuls in return. You put a dump truck load of, you know, love and respect in, into your marriage, it'd be amazing at what happens in return. But you've got to sow the seeds. Why? Because what you're sowing is growing. And, and you know, I, I thought about it. I'm grateful for the amount of things that have been sown into my life by many of you. Words of encouragement that I'm grateful for. I am who I am because of so many of the things that have been sown into my life. And, and I'm thankful for generosity, hope, and encouragement. I want to challenge you with this idea of seeds, of words and thoughts and actions, is to recognize the harvest in a, in a thought before you dwell on it. Recognize and think about the harvest in a word before you say it. Recognize the harvest in a, in a deed, in an action, before you actually do it. Because the principle of what you sow is what you reap. And then there's the principle of the gap, that there's time in between sowing and reaping. And in our culture, we don't think about this time in between. We're like, we're like watching grass grow. Like we just, we did something and we want to see it happen now. You know, it's like if it comes to money, it's like, I was generous. I gave something. How come all my bills haven't been paid? You know, or I was nice to that person and it hasn't come back yet. Or I said nice things to my wife and she's, she's not there yet. It's like, oh, you just, you're watching. You know, and there's a tendency in every one of us to give up. There's a tendency in every one of us to get tired and to be like, oh, I don't see anything happening yet. 
And it's this idea of realizing that there's a gap, there's time. And so the challenge that Paul said to them, and we're saying to you is, there's going to be time in between sowing and reaping, but don't give up. Be like that mouse. Never give up. Never give up. Just keep, keep on going, keep on sowing. Don't, don't throw out the seeds just because you haven't seen something happening. Um, two days ago, I planted our garden seeds, and I, I planted them, and I checked yesterday, and there was nothing. And I checked this morning, and guess what? Nothing. And I'm like, well, that's it. I'm just going to chuck the whole thing in the garbage, give it up on that. That ain't going to work. See, we know that in gardening, but we don't think about it in life. And sowing and reaping applies to our life. So if you're in the time of the gap where you've been sowing and you haven't seen it happen in your life yet, realize that you're in that time frame and remind yourself of this. Remind yourself that something's happening. Even if you can't see it, something is happening. Why? Because good seed bears good fruit. So keep on sowing. You know, I'm planting beans this year, and it says on the package, plant beans, and then in 10 days later, plant beans, and then in 10 days later, plant more beans so that you have a continual harvest all summer. Same idea here. Keep sowing, and keep sowing, and keep sowing, and keep sowing, so that when life all of a sudden changes, and your marriage is like, whoa, who are we? We were never these people. You don't just have a one-time harvest, but it's that continuous thing when you're sowing and living generously. Keep on sowing. Keep being generous with what you have because it's going to be a continuous cycle in your life. And I want to leave you with this last thought because so many of you are sitting there saying, that sounds good, Mark, but what about the bad fruit in my life? What about the bad stuff that I'm harvesting in my life? What about the stuff? I've tried what you've said. You know, I've tried to believe differently. I've tried to think differently. I've tried all this stuff, and yet it didn't happen for me. It doesn't work for me. I want to remind you and let you in on this thought that there's also a law of undeserved harvest. Even though there's the principle of like harvest, what you sow, you will reap. And that there's time in between the sowing and the reaping. There's this as well, the principle of undeserved harvest. Because here's a thought, you're not the only one sowing in your fields. You're not the only one who's actually sowing into all those fields. And we all reap stuff that we didn't sow. For instance, the choices your parents made when you were young. Some of you have reaped consequences of choices that you did not sow. For some, you know, there was abuse. For some, it was words spoken over you. You didn't sow that in your life, but you're reaping it. For some, it was abandonment. For some, you've been berated. You didn't sow that. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it's your boss. You know, you're a hard worker. You've been faithful. You've been doing exactly what you're supposed to do, but he's a knucklehead who can't manage a company and bankrupts the thing, and you lose your job. You just reaped in, in a field that you didn't sow in. You know, the, the teachers maybe, you know, some, of, some college students, they come out of college, and they've got all these thoughts and philosophies that make it hard to trust God and think about God because of all these things that have been sown in, in their head and their minds. Like, I wrestle with this because science says, and I, I'm just, I'm, but my soul and my inner side, and they wrestle with it. Why? Because you're reaping fruit that somebody else has sown into, into the field of your life. And for some, you're reaping real negative stuff. I just want to remind you, to keep sowing good seed because good seed will bear good fruit and that you're not the only one sowing in your life. It's not just on the negative. It happens on the positive. Do you realize that we've all reaped on the positive as well? For instance, babies, and every one of you was one of them at one point. But babies, you know, as you see this, and all of a sudden you see all the heads. It's like, oh. It's like that body language. Oh, they're so, so cute. And you know, when you see real babies, they, they, get, they get love. And do you realize that they didn't do anything to deserve to be loved? They didn't do anything. Babies, it's, it's the opposite. All they do is eat food that they don't pay for. 
they, they cry about stuff that they can't fix, and they poop. And we love them, and we want to hold them, and we want to snuggle them. We'll change them so we can hold them some more. And we pour out love on these children. Why? Because they deserve it? No. They didn't do anything to deserve love, but they're reaping something that they haven't sown, and it's a positive thing. There's a huge reward of love. Matthew chapter 13, this last scripture this morning is this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, Jesus is talking to the, the group. He says, here's another story that Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven, the way, it, the way it works is this. It's like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. That night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, and then he slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted, to each of you, the field where you planted that good seed, it's full of weeds. Where did they come from? The farmer right away said, An enemy's done this. An enemy has done this. The farmer explained. He said, Should we pull out all the weeds, they asked? He said, No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. And this story, this story in Matthew Jesus is talking to them about the idea of the believers and non-believers at the end of the world. But he mentions something in here that is just, it, it's, it's so incredibly important, is that this understanding of even though he was sowing into a field, someone else was sowing in as well, and that you have an enemy sowing into your field all the time, trying to sow things in. You know, you get to that spot where it'll be like, you know, someone says to you, hey, you know what, you're serving God. You're trying to do all these things, and, you know, you, look what's happening in your life. Look at the negative stuff happening in your life. It's all no good. And you can realize and say, you're right, man. God must be doing this. Or you can just realize, no, wait, an enemy is sowing in my field. But I'm going to sow. An enemy is sowing into my marriage. An enemy is sowing into my kids. An enemy is sowing into my finances. An enemy is sowing into these places. But I'm going to sow good seed. Because the fact that an enemy is sowing weeds into the fields does not change the fact that good seeds bear good fruit. So don't lose focus. Don't get into that spot. Don't fall for the trap of blaming God or focusing on what you can't change. It'll just waste and take the time that you only have to live once. Don't get discouraged. Don't get your focus off of stopping the sowing in your life. Mother Teresa said this, people are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. Sow a seed of forgiveness anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. Sow anyway. If you're successful, you'll win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and frank, people may cheat you. So be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous, but be happy anyway. The good that you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. But do good anyway. Give the world the best you have. Give the world the best you have. And it may never be enough, but give the world the best you have anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and your God. It's never between you and them anyway. Getting the focus on saying, you know, no matter what, I'm going to give. No matter what, I'm going to sow. I'm going to be intentional about what I'm sowing. For some of you, it's money. For some of you, it's your marriage. For some of you, it's your fitness. For some, it's... But it's that whole idea of the balance of it. And I'll leave you with this. Think about today... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, think about the undeserved harvest of God's love and forgiveness and salvation that you've reaped without doing anything to deserve it. It's incredible. When we think about the cross and we actually think about what happened there, and we think about the fact that he did that for each one of us, we did nothing to deserve that kind of love. We actually did the opposite. 
And yet this law of undeserved harvest, we don't like it in our lives when it's on the negative, but if we got rid of that, we would also lose out on the positive because we reap something we didn't sow. He's done incredible things for us that we didn't, that we didn't deserve. So my challenge to us as a church in this whole idea, and I believe Paul's was to the Corinthian church is the same thing, that in light of this, in light of his incredible generous love for you, would you live out your life generously in response to that? Just as an attitude of, of thankfulness to him, would you be generous? This whole idea of money, be generous with it. Realize that what you're doing is you're sowing into lives and yet you're reaping in return. And we'll see that as we close up this whole session next week. But this idea of it's more than just money. It's seed. And there's lots of seeds in our life that we have the choice to sow. How are you sowing? How are you sowing? Because what you're sowing is growing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for these laws that you've set up that work. As we become aware of them, that we can work with them to see uh, your plans and purposes for them happen in our lives. So Holy Spirit, I pray this morning for each person here that those promptings that they felt in their heart today as we're we're talking, that uh, you'd bring those back up in their lives this week that they realize that these are the things that you want to do in and through them. Um, Father, I pray for courage, for, for courage for people to change, to, to be able to speak differently and think differently and act differently, that, it, that that would bear fruit in their lives, but not only for them, but for everyone around. That they would see you and see your goodness and see, see uh, the hope that uh, you offer each and every one of us. I thank you for what you did for us, Jesus, your incredible love. <laughs> gives us a chance to really live life in a real way. So as we go out this week and this weekend, I pray for opportunities for us to show that love to others around us, uh, that they might see you and find hope in you. It's in your awesome, wonderful name I pray. Amen.